Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. That's right. Check out PHI Apparel. A lot of stuff is going on, including in that city of Philadelphia, where some eyebrows are being raised, but they do get to relax. But I won't give you too much. My pots are boiling over. I have my co-host in the building with me calling out of the Midwest region of the United States of America. Mr. Harvey's in the building. Mike, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Man, I'm always feeling good. It's always when I get to chop it up with you on the Sunday morning brunch. Like you said, lots going on, the pot's boiling over. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it and serve it up. How you doing, man? Okay, first thing, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can right now, to be honest. Um, Fort Worth's going crazy, but outside the atmosphere is kicking my tail. And, and talking about kicking tail, we will start right there with kicking tail. Um, so far, I'll say this right now, in the 2023 year, the mega fight happened. So far, so far in boxing. Now, we had the super fight of, you know, Pereira Part 2 versus Adesanya in the MMA UFC situation. That's a mega fight. But 
as of now, I feel like we still got the rest of the year to go. I feel like some names will be announced, so on and so forth. If Canelo gets a good bout with either um, Baval, if he does set that up, or any of his next competitors, like uh, this should be another mega fight too. But as of now, the mega fight happened uh, between Ryan Garcia and Javante Tank Davis. And um, this thing has been like entertainment since every presser that they've had, every time these guys met up and got face-to-face, they got physical almost every time they've seen each other. One would touch one's face, somebody touch the other's face, start pushing. It even got to the point where even Bernard Hopkins got in the middle of this instigating a fight, pushing Tank, Tank pushing at Bernard Hopkins. This has been an incredible, entertaining situation for the boxing world. And to me, even though I'm a big boxing fan, I feel like this is what boxing needs. And for me, I think once Floyd left, it was like, who carries the, the mantle? And there's so many good names, but nobody's really sticking, you know, the, to the bulletin board. It's like you hear about the fight and they have the luster for the the two months and go through all access, so on and so forth. After their fight goes, the luster kind of goes until they fight again. Um, as much as I want to see Errol Spence up there, uh, Terrence Bud Crawford, um, if Thurman could throw his name back in there, he's trying to get back in there, but I, I don't know how relevant the world looks at him like that, but the welterweight division or around that junior welterweight, lightweight division, they're, they're still holding it. You got Lomachenko, all of it, it, interesting names, and also the Charlo brothers, and like I said, Bavar. Like, there's names in boxing that still are carrying it, but the big money was around Floyd, and these guys have to start building it up because there's a ton of money in boxing. And um, this fight set it up where – the two guys that had some of the biggest names in boxing finally collided between Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy Productions, or Promotions, excuse me, and Mayweather Promotions. They collided, so it's Tank's side, where really Tank was trying to, like, elude Floyd and Golden Boy kind of meeting in the middle, but the A side was Tank because Tank is the bigger draw. And um, this fight was nothing but electric, both of them trying to stay away from each other's bombs, and um, it did not disappoint. Tank ends up winning this fight by knockout in the seventh round, but in the second round, uh, Tank throws a vicious counter left, like basically looping underneath one of Garcia's punches and, and crush, completely crushing Garcia's face. If you've seen this, this was earth-shattering of a punch. He literally dropped him. It wasn't one of those punches like it's a shot punch and, he stumbled, though. He dropped him, but it wasn't a, a serious knockout blow. But when you've seen the slow-mo, Ryan Garcia's whole face crushed and crumbled. It looked bad. It looked really bad on the replay. And um, he fell. He got up to, you know, he, I think he won two or three rounds up until the sixth, sixth round. But that 10-8 round in the second round helped Davis. And then in the seventh round, and this is the crazy part, Tank predicted that he would knock Garcia out. In the seventh round, he ends up hitting him with a shot to the rib cage, which a lot of you know professional people around the sport are calling that a liver punch. It looked like a, just a, a, a great punch to the like the rib area. But right when I was, it's a, a, a sport doctor that's doing the breakdown as after the fight, and he said that was a complete liver punch. But still, yet, um, and that's what caused a delayed reaction in this fight. So Tank loops underneath one of Ryan's punches. Ryan ends up connecting, but right before he connects, Tank throws a vicious body shot. And uh, 
you see Ryan Garcia look at him with like his legs went from underneath him. He got his legs underneath him and he put the boxer stairs back up and he looked at Tank and just took a knee. And it's like, okay, that punch worked, but he's going to breathe. And you're looking at it like, is he going to get up? And he's looking at Tank, put his head down. He's looking at Tank again and just shook his head and put kept his head down. The ref got the eight. I'm like, he's not going to stand. Nine, ten, knocked out. I'm like, whoa, like starting it, the energy in the room I was with. I was around about 20-something people watching this fight. Everybody screaming out of their face. About five people in the room were going for Garcia. Everybody else is going for Tank. So you had to hear the scream. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about an electric fight, even though it got, you know, stopped in the seventh with a knockout. But, again, I'd never think boxing left. Those fights are there. People downplay it because everybody's a real big UFC fan, and these guys are more active. Even though they get paid less, they got a bigger fan base as of now. Um, incredible stuff. Mike, your your thoughts on the fight and, you know, how things went down and, and where do they go from here? Well, the winner of that fight was boxing last night, right? Like for boxing to, you know, you, you, you see – all these different promotions and entities with all these different belts and mandatory challengers and all these different things they want to throw out. So they got it right. They got the two undefeated guys together to hook it up last night. It was very much anticipated. And the reason why I say boxing one is because we've seen it before where you get all hyped up for a fight and then first round it's over. People are like, man, I can't believe I spent the money on that. Whatever. This was a legit fight. These guys went at it. And Tank did what Tank does. Like, he's got that, you know, that that punch that can just stop you. This body punch. It's like he took that man's soul with that. It's like all the fight just left him uh, with that big body shot uh, in the seventh round. Uh, but, you know, big ups to both the promoters for the fighters for being willing to put it out on the line and not just try to protect your undefeated record for as absolutely as long as you can and get out there and do it. Um, you know, big ups to Tank as far as what happens next. You know, one of the things that I really like seeing was even in a press release after the fight, and this is something that needs to happen more often in boxing. Uh, Garcia's people put out a presser that said, you know, hey, he's going to learn from that and come back and he'll be back in the ring soon. So I feel like, you need to do that strike while that iron's hot to still keep the interest up so you don't have quite as long of a road back. You know, I, I'm excited because they're talking about uh, Devin Haney and Lomo, uh, Lomachenko fighting, and maybe the winner, uh, maybe Tank getting the winner of that fight, which could be electric. If they do that, then I would, uh, if I were Garcia's people, I might try to get on the phone and, and book a fight with whoever doesn't win that fight. You know what I'm saying? Just to sort of keep your name out there uh, in public. So this was a, this was a man's fight. They they both came to fight and Tank did what Tank does. He he ran through a man and he, he stopped his guy. He, Tank has done that um, his whole career, the step up in competition, uh, went a little bit longer or whatever, but end of the day, uh, same result, but both of these guys are going to be. I mean, obviously Tank is, but uh, Garcia still got a chance to, uh, you know, definitely make a name for himself and, and get some big, uh, some big time fights moving forward. But uh, this is a good showcase uh, for the sport of boxing, like you said, a reminder 
that these fights can still be had. These fights are still out there and that people are going to watch. I'm looking forward to seeing the numbers, uh, what kind of buys they had. And then for any of you that didn't watch it live, you got Showtime. I'm sure it's going to be streaming and be coming out on the Showtime app uh, here very soon. Yeah, and this is the crazy part about boxing and everything around it. I don't think Ryan Garcia's, you know, legacy is hurt. This is his first loss, and he's going up against right now top three pound-for-pound boxer in the sport. Um, Tank's up there with Errol Spence and Bud Crawford right now. Um, if, if you throw uh, Tyson Fury up there, but Tyson Fury keeps pondering with retirement, like Tyson's up there and, you know, Baval is an undefeated fighter. You got better be also. Like, there's some names that you could throw in boxing that are up there. So I don't think Garcia's hurt. But just like you said, how the pool goes in that weight class is where he has to wait to get another fight. Um, I, I agree. It depends on who loses in that fight. That would be like a good serving table for whoever loses in that fight and fights Garcia because Garcia's going to be on redemption row to try and keep his name relevant. But the one thing in that fight – that like bothered me even though I was going for Tank in the fight um, is once he got knocked down he feared Tank's power so much it was like it was only a matter of time if Tank landed it again it it was going to hurt him and the the worst part about it was that body shot stopped Ryan and I didn't think Ryan wanted to get hit again because that, that spot became tender I'm guessing that's what it is because he got up after the fight it wasn't like he's down there forever like he got up but I feel like if Tank went there again, it would have been a bad crushing blow or it would have led him to drop his hands and open his chin up, and, and he already got dropped by getting hit in the chin. Tank nickname says it all. When he hits, he's hitting like a tank shooting whatever is shooting a hit. And um, everybody's hit. He's crumbled. He's had two fights that did not get knockouts. Like his his knockout percentage is there. Like he's the price of admission for real. Um I, I don't know who in their weight class wants to fight him. And if he gets to keep setting the table the right way, like with the rehydration clause, so on and so forth, he should be able to dominate. Now, the the best thing that I do like about this is how they do this, like, entertainment thing. All in the draw up in the last couple of months, it was like him and Floyd weren't getting along. After he won this fight, these two hugged each other like a love scene in a movie. Like, these two are brothers for real. I, I'm not buying that beef and, oh, him and Mayweather don't get along. They're brothers. They're brothers. I'll let them fool you if you want to. Those two were cool even all throughout the fight while Tank was in the corner talking to his trainer and Cutman. Floyd is outside the ring talking, and he listening to Floyd more than he listening to the trainer, and it worked. So it's like whatever camaraderie brotherhood they got, they understand one another. It worked. The one thing about Ryan Garcia is, is that the Golden Boy production is going to push him because that's a California or West Coast kind of guy, and he's of Latino descent. And I know that's something that Oscar's trying to push, but a lot of times Oscar's boxes aren't really going too far. And I, I want to see if Ryan Garcia could actually keep his name up there and get back to where he needs to be. If he needs to redeem himself and be right here in front of Tank again and, and get stronger and try to redeem himself and win this bout again, then we got part two of this fight. But right now, after he got hit, it was like so much respect that he had for Tank. I don't know if he's ready for Tank's power. I don't know. They both were staying away from each other's bomb. I think there was one punch that Ryan Garcia threw where Tank felt his power shot, and that's when Tank became a little more hungrier to go get it. 
after like the fifth fifth round was when he felt it and uh he started coming for Garcia. Garcia was going back as well all the first couple of rounds, Garcia was like stalking him because he's the way bigger boxer. He's taller than him by three inches. His reach was longer by three inches. Like everything was in the favor of Garcia. It's just that power just dismantled, dismantled Garcia. And um, in in the sportsmanship that these two had at the end of the fight, it, it was an incredible thing. Because as soon as the fight ended, they were showing each other so much love, like for real. And um, respecting one another, and even after the fight, I was watching the uh, the presser, and uh, while they were in the arena uh, in T-Mobile, they taking pictures together, all type of stuff. So I, I like that. Like they they sell the fight to to make it seem like they're beefing, but I mean, again, they are. They're gonna fight, so they are beefing. But for them to like heal that up and be cool again, that's the best part about it. So I do respect that. I heard you trying to say something, Mike, and then I'll get away from it. No, you're good. You just hit on something. I thought that if Garcia had a chance in that fight, it was going to be because of his length, right? It was going to be because maybe he could land enough punches, maybe he could keep Tank on the outside, uh, and maybe he could, you know, use his length a little bit to neutralize that power. Um, well, that di- that didn't work so well, and that length didn't matter. And so that's going to be a blueprint for. Tank moving forward. I mean, it's you know, at, at times if a guy can use a jab against you and keep you away, they can really make it hard. But if you come with enough power, you can uh, you can combat that length, and that's what he did. The best part about neutralizing that length, so on and so forth, was you are a hundred percent correct. But a hundred percent of what you're saying is a hundred percent of what Ryan Garcia was not doing. When Ryan Garcia threw the jab, it was stopping Tank. Tank couldn't get forward. But the one thing about Tank to make him come forward, and I don't know why the ref didn't say something because in boxing you're not supposed to do it, but Tank was getting away with it. He's putting his right hand forward in front of him like to, to basically measure out his space before he throws a shot. But he was doing it long enough to keep Brian Garcia's left hand in front of him because that was his jab punch, even though that's uh, Garcia's strong hand. Excuse me, his, his strong hand. His jab was electric with his left hand, so he could not work that left jab if he tried. And that that's Tank's right hand. Tank's loaded hand is his left hand, so his left hand is still free. And he was getting a lot of what he wanted. He worked Garcia's body as much as he could to, like, just land something, to just touch him. And it was doing enough to keep Garcia thinking and worried about staying away from his power. He had no other game plan from what Tank said in the press to him came to fruition in the fight. He said he has no head movement. He doesn't have too much footwork. It, it just He's just straightforward as much as possible and trying to land all of his shots. And Tank knew what to do with him. And just like you said, if he if Garcia worked to jab, it would have set up a lot of stuff. A couple of the big shots that Garcia did throw that landed were off of the jab. And everybody outside of it from the boxers that spoke to people outside of the presses and stuff said if Garcia would have stuck to the jab, it would have been a different fight. But Tank is, and they were saying Tank is one of the best pound for pound fighters, and that's what helped him win the fight. If Garcia would have worked with his, the fundamentals of boxing, it'd have been a different fight. But Tank, I tip my hat. Um, one of the, well, he is the next name in boxing, like one of them. I'm, I'm a big Errol Spence fan. If, if you don't know right now, as a, one of the names that are left, Errol Spence is one of my guys. Terrence Bud Crawford, they, they neck and neck to me, but I favor Errol a little bit. I don't want them two to fight, but I want them two to fight. I just, it's like your, it's like your kids. You don't want to see them fight, 
but some, somebody got to go because they almost, to me, they like Hagler and Hearns or, you know, the mega fight from back in the days that, you know, somebody got to lose. They, they're in a warrior sport. They can't stay undefeated forever. They got to bump heads somehow, some way. And if they get the I think, <laughs> I really think they don't want to fight because don't nobody want to lose that zero. That's how I really feel. They both keep saying it's money, it's money, it's money, it's money, it's money. They're, people are going to pay to see you two fight. People are going to pay to see you two fight. After you've seen what Garcia and Davis put up, and just like Mike, just like you said, I want to see how much money was generated from the gate, pay-per-view, and the purses all together. I want to see how much money is generated because then that'll start to get these guys to jump. It'll, it'll have to start to get these guys to jump. They were going to have an incredible bet, and I don't think they went through with it, but the loser was going to lose the entire purse. Ryan purse, Ryan purse would have went fully to Tang after this fight, but they, they canceled it the day before. This is how confident both of these two were in this fight. Electric stuff. Very entertaining, to say the least. And um, this was my Saturday night. My Saturday night went crazy. No, I could tell you the menu, fried chicken, pork chops. It was it was, rip. I, it was nuts. I was full of the tick watching this fight and jumped out of my seat like I wasn't full, and I was full. Okay. Mike, is there anything else before we do get away from this Boston situation? I guess that helps me. Okay, so the next thing I'm going to get to is the MLB standings, how crazy this situation is going across the board. As electric as some of these teams have gotten out of the gate, uh, people are starting to get questionable, including my boys that is, I'm, I'm befuddled right now on how bad it's going in Minneapolis, Minnesota right now. But I'll go across the board as best as I can. Okay, so in the AL East, remaining at the top, is the Tampa Bay Rays. They are 18-3 and three at this point in time. The Baltimore Ravens are 13-7. Baltimore Ravens, excuse me. I'm not talking about football. I'm talking baseball. The Baltimore Orioles are 13. <laughs> I, I know. They're black. <laughs> They're black. 13-7. Um, the Yankees are 13-8, and eight, followed by the Blue Jays who are 12-9. And, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. is playing some good ball right now. If you don't know, now you know, and rounding out the bottom of the division at 500, the Boston Red Sox are 11 and 11. In the AL Central, the Twins are 11 and 10. Um, I could get, or I could go on them for days. Second place are the Guardians at 10 and 11, a game back. The Tigers are 7 and 12. The White Sox are 7 and 14, and the Royals are 5 and 16. Oh, it's going to get interesting. In the AL West. The Rangers are 13 and 7. The Astros are 11 and 10. The Angels are 10 and 11. This is going to get crazy. The Seattle Mariners are 10 and 11. And rounding out the bottom of the AO West is the Oakland Athletics at 4 and 17. Sports City, I'm going to stop right here. Um, it's going to get personal, and it does bother me a little bit because I really love this sport. And, um. The reason why it's personal is because when I was growing up young, when I was like four, five, six, and getting in like t-ball and baseball like that, my father was a wishy-washy fan. I can't lie. His, one of his favorite baseball players was Reggie Jackson. So he was always an Oakland A's fan, but he was really a Yankee fan. But he liked them because of the Reggie Jackson days. So everything that my father followed from my childhood or my my life, I always watched his teams just to see how his teams do. The Oakland Athletics are losing their team. They are being purchased basically to move 
to the city of Las Vegas. Las Vegas is taking everything out of that city of Oakland, and I'm pissed. And and not the fact that Oakland, well, it is kind of like the fact that they are losing all of the sports. You guys are supposed to be fans. Like, if they are doing good, you'll be there filling the seats. They had a game a few weeks ago where there were only 3,400 people in that stadium where there's nobody out there, and you lost your team. So you mean to tell me you lost the Raiders twice. You lost the Warriors, and when they went across the bridge to San Francisco. And now you're losing the Oakland A's. You don't do anything to try to keep these guys, and the mayor is bringing up some bull crap excuse on why he's losing the team. You guys don't deserve a team. You watch three of the major sports leave that area. Incredible. And it's showing that you guys aren't supporting them at home. They are 2-10. and ten. You're 2-10 and ten at home. They're not even doing nothing because they don't have nobody there for them. Nobody there for them. I feel bad. I feel good and bad, to be honest. <laughs> the good part is, is there's another team going to Las Vegas. <laughs> that gives me another reason to go to Las Vegas. And this is summertime stuff, even though I don't want to be in the middle of the heat. And wink, wink, I hope you guys make it a dome because I don't want to be sitting in the middle of a 100-degree weather at a baseball game in Vegas. I just, no, I don't. That's, that's a bloody sun out there. But still yet, Vegas is the draw. Vegas is building up rapidly. And um, they're taking – they at least took a team from you. Um, this is incredible stuff. And, and I'm sorry I got hung up on that. Another thing in the AL West, too, um, the Angels started out hot. As much as I wanted, and, and these guys I, I love because I love the sport of baseball. I love Otani. I love Trout. But they're going to have to make up their mind with Otani, how much money he's going to warrant, and he's worth every price of the admission. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep both of them. But they started out good, and now they're falling right back down to the cellar of the AL West. And, and I think it's clearly because of the money that Trout's getting and the money that they're going to have to get Otani. They got two legendary players or one roster, and I don't know how they're going to be able to make this work. They're going to have to figure out something. To me, personally, I think Otani ends up leaving. Um, whenever it's his turn to start talking money, unless the, the Angels throw him Disneyland out there in Anaheim. Um, National League, the the Braves are sitting atop the AL East. Oh, you were going to say something? Yeah, yeah, no, real quick, I just want to chime in on those things you just brought up. Uh, so they are talking about in Vegas a retractable roof stadium in Vegas. So when it's hot, they can they can close it up and you can get the air conditioning. So that has been talked about. As far as the A's, man, like I blame ownership as much as I, if not more so than I do the fans here, uh, because at the end of the day, every time you get and this franchise has been bad about this even since you know Reggie left, Ricky left the first time and eventually came back, but even more so over the last couple of decades, every time this, this team gets uh, major league talent, they end up selling them off or they end up getting rid of their players just trying to get by on, you know, as little payroll as possible. And they always happen to kind of rebuild it. But this team uh, is littered and has been for the last couple of decades. You, you see all-stars coming from that franchise all over the major leagues on other teams around the major leagues. And so at, as much as I think the fans need to show up and show out on behalf of this team, they're talking about a reverse boycott thing where they're going to show up real big on a Tuesday night just to show that the fans are still willing to show out. But at the, at the same time, like 
I blame uh, ownership and management too, as far as not really holding on to any of these guys, not not allowing, uh, you're not keeping a star around that you can market and and push your franchise around. And as soon as your fans get attached to any guy, they're gone. And you keep blowing it up and blowing it up and blowing it up. At at the end of the day, finally, fans are going to be like, we've had enough. You're not giving us any kind of winning product. So is this Tuesday? The the A's are planning to do it this Tuesday or a Tuesday? I don't know that it's this one. I saw a Tuesday soon, but I didn't see the the exact date in the article. But I, I read an article this past week where, Long-time A's fan was organizing a reverse, reverse boycott because they say Tuesday night, you know, middle of the week is usually when crowds are supposed to be smaller, so they're supposed to really show up in big numbers on a Tuesday night. So I'd be curious to see what kind of numbers they get on that. So, you know, the fans take some of the blame, but I think you got to uh, look square in the eyes of ownership and put some blame uh, on them as well. The whole area in reverse. I'm, I'm going to remember reverse. That's a good word to remember. But um, just like you said with the, my older brother, his favorite player, Ricky Henderson, my brother wore 24 from when he was 13 all the way till he finished playing baseball. Like 24 was everything. Ricky Henderson came to my neighborhood. Forget like to my city and coming somewhere to like, uh, like meet him somewhere like a center or a rec area. Ricky Henderson came to a church at the top of my street and met every one of us neighborhood kids and signed autographs, took pictures, but he really spoke with my brother because my brother was a good baseball player. So my brother was an A's fan, just like my dad, until Ricky left. And once Ricky left and went to the Blue Jays, my brother went with the Blue Jays form, and then, you know, just, it just went like that. But, I, I mean, incredible. I'm, I'm an 80s baby. I can't lie. So I remember the Bash Brothers. I remember Jose Caseco. I remember McGuire. I remember Dave Stewart. I remember Dave Henderson. I'm I'm giving you this, this lineup. Steve Sachs, all of these guys, like, incredible. Even even watching all of these guys leave, even getting into the 2000s, Miguel Tejada was on fire. You got rid of Tejada, Giambi brothers. Like, what, what is your goal? <laughs> Oakland, it ain't just one of y'all. Some of the fans, like Mike said, or some of all of y'all, all from top to bottom, like all of y'all. I don't care who it is, pets, ants, roaches, all all y'all, all of y'all, disgusting. Y'all, y'all had them sitting up there playing football games on your baseball field. The Oakland Raiders playing on the – they one of the biggest teams in the NFL. Y'all got them playing on the baseball field. Oakland, Oakland A's wouldn't even just give them that field and make nothing else happen. You guys are generating money. You guys are generating money. You got a baseball field. You probably got people in concessions out and right and center and left, so on and so forth. They probably just sitting there throwing quarters in the air just waiting for the game there because ain't nobody there paying them to work. Like, no no concession guys walking up on nobody. That's incredible. I'm, I'm telling you, Oakland, it, it's it's good that Vegas is taking over. Because now they're making Vegas a hot spot. This ain't just a place to go, because that's where I love to be, especially in December. But now you got them at least winter for hockey and uh, football. And now you're going to have spring and summer, something other to do than people saying, all you're going to do in Vegas is gamble and fall. So you got spring, summer, and fall for baseball. They're locking up the whole year, basically. Basically the whole year. You probably got a good month or two off, but in that month or two, is March Madness. So college basketball is, is big-time prevalent out there, too. So Vegas is doing what they need to do to keep that money generated and be as fun as it is for everybody to come out there and enjoy themselves. At least three major sports are going to be there within the next 
you know, two to four, three to five years. Well, we'll see. Let me keep on moving because I got passionate about that one. I, I apologize for today. That was me. Um, the National League East, the Atlanta Braves are sitting atop at 14-7. and seven. The New York Mets turned this thing around. They're 14-8, and eight, a half a game back. They always are chasing the Braves somehow, some way. The Miami Marlins, 12-9. and nine. I am despising you because you got my guy, Arias, I and Lewis is doing his thing, and I knew he would. Um, the Philadelphia Phillies are 10-12 and 12 at this point in time, and rounding out the bottom are the Washington Nationals. They're 7-13 and 13 <laughs> on a two-game winning streak up against the the Minnesota Twins. I'm just so pissed right now. Um, and the, the NL Central, excuse me, the Milwaukee Brewers are 15-6. and six. The Pirates are 15-7. and seven. The Cubs are 12-8. and eight. The Cardinals are 8-13. and 13. The Reds are 7-14, and 14, rounding out the bottom. And last but not least is the NL West, and this is an incredible situation. I kind of want to stop here, but I'll get through it as best as I can. The Diamondbacks are 12-10. and 10. The Dodgers are 11-11, turning this thing around. The Padres are 11 and 12. The Giants are 7 and 13. And rounding out the bottom are the Rockies at 6 and 16. The Diamondbacks. Let's start here. Madison Bumgarner has been designated by the organization, meaning that they're going to have to dump that $34 million into this guy. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible. Now, and this is the wild part about Bumgarner. Bumgarner's highlight was the early part of the 2010s when he was so big time world series relevant one of the more dominating left-handers in the league his limelight has left him and i feel like the diamondbacks are squeezing every blood drop out of this guy and they can't get it to happen and i don't know if it's more or less the support that he's getting in these games because if he's pitching well then it's fine but his era has been up and down so on and so forth but they're sitting atop the division i wonder if they could keep this thing going but the Twins were courting uh, after Madison Bumgarner, and boy, do they still need pitching. Somehow, it's the way they still need pitching. But um, I, I don't know how guy. this pans out. It, say that again? Not him. The way he's been pitching, no. Uh-uh, you don't want him. Well, no, no, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm like, leave him alone, because that was more than 10 years ago when he was going at it, winning – World Series after World Series in the, the early 2010s. But um, the Diamondbacks have to make up their mind. I'm wondering if this is like a momentum move, if the team feeds off of it, because it's like a lot of people look down toward the Diamondbacks, and they more or less look at the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres is another story that I don't want to get to, too, um, to be the top dogs in this division. Can they stay there is the big question. It's early. It's still April. So I do want to see if they're looking like this middle of May going into June. If they can hold on to this that, going into all-star break in July, that would be a good thing as well. Yeah, yeah, Mike. This team's got a lot of young talent, too, and they kind of make some veterans in to sort of uh, to sort of help them. And, you know, they're drawing it. People are impressed around the league watching them. I don't know if they're better than a third-place team this season, but they're getting off to a fast start. But guys like Corbin Carroll, guy you really want to pay attention to, he's going to be a young star in this game. Uh, and then they got a lot of uh, good young pitching coming up. Zach Gallon, this kid, Dre James, and they got they got a lot of uh, young guys. Arizona is reaping the benefits of not being a very good team for the last several years because they've been able to select high in the draft. They've had some low payrolls, and so they've kind of been able to stockpile. 
Uh, regardless of what happens as far as where they end up in the standings, I don't think they finish any lower than third. But regardless of where they end up in the standings, this team is fun to watch. They put pressure on you. They run. They hit the ball everywhere. They play with a lot of energy. This is a fun team to watch in the Arizona Diamondbacks. Third, I, I'm going to remember this because I, I'm hoping I'm hoping the Giants can turn this thing around, but the Giants are looking bad out the gate. I don't know if they can, but they do have the support out there. Another thing in the NL West that I am going to hit on is the San Diego, excuse me, the Padres are now actually said to get Tatis Jr. back. So maybe this back could help them. But, boy, does he have a storm of clouds around him from what he's been away from the game for. If his play decreases, or not even his play, but if his power decreases at the plate, wow. That, that, that's the incredible situation of sports at this point in time where they're watching everything bit by bit from the clocks and watching the pitch clock, the batter clock, to performance-enhancing drugs so on and so forth, they're, they're catching this stuff all across the line. And that's the one thing I'm watching because Tatis came out with a bang uh, in his career and got stopped immediately because he got caught. Um, hopefully he can get back out here and help this roster because this roster is still hovering around 500. I feel like they could be a thorn in the side. The Dodgers are 500 still sitting around too. So this is going to be an incredible race in the NOS. And, again, like I said, it is still the first month. It is still April. A lot of things can happen as we approach the summer, but right now the NOS is an interesting story. I'll say it like that. At least the top three uh, spots, just like he said, they're within, what, a, a two-game span, a game and a half, really, but I'll say two just to save face. Uh, we will see as, as time goes on, but we'll keep a close eye watching that. Uh, Mike, is there Big anything else that you like Tatis to last... Big home run from Tatis last night uh, in, in that game against the Diamondbacks to help them uh, – pull that one out so uh he's kind of figuring out right field uh made a couple good catches the first night but some kind of circuitous routes but uh you know definitely uh definitely a lot of fun to watch and it'll be interesting to see his his energy because that's a tough top of the lineup now when you look and see Tatis uh in some order or another depending on the night but Tatis Bogart Soto and Machado uh, that's a definitely tough top four of, of any lineup. That's that's uh, as an opposing pitcher, that you know that's that's a little bit scary to have to come out and face that. Oh, and another guy you mentioned earlier when you were just kind of going through the standings yesterday. Two other uh, baseball things I wanted to make mention of real quick. Yesterday, Shane McClanahan pitched for Tampa. He had something like thirty three or thirty four swing and miss strikes which they've only been tracking this since like the mid eighties, but that's like the second most of all time. So absolutely filthy stuff from Shane McClanahan. So he's another young pitcher uh, that's really starting to uh, settle in and, and start to like carve his spot in as one of the great young pitchers in this game. Uh, real qu- quick, you mentioned Otani earlier. He's leaving if the Angels don't make the postseason, And we're finally starting to see what, the Cubs rebuild is going to look like they they actually have some pieces now. It looks like when you got Horner, Swanson, and and Ian Happ at the top of that order, and then you got a you got a middle of the order now with actually some legitimate guys that can swing the bat. That Suzuki kid from Japan, um, and other guys in the in the middle of that order. This this Cubs team 
Patrick Wisdom has been very good. He's a young guy, uh, but he's been really good for them lately. So uh, you're starting to see what they were trying to rebuild and what what the long-term goal was for this team. So it'll be interesting to see if, if they can maintain. Like, you know, we see the, the Brewers up front with their pitching, and like you said, the uh, the Pirates have gotten off to a fast start. I think that's going to be short-lived. But the Cubs are actually showing some sign of, some signs of life as well. Okay, of course. We'll, we'll keep a close eye on this. Like I said, I, I do want to watch this. So you really believe Otani's out of there if they don't make the postseason this season? If everybody remains healthy, oh, yeah. he's gone when this contract's up. Yeah, if they don't if they don't go to the postseason, he doesn't get to play October baseball with the Angels this year. He's gone. As a matter of fact, as much as they don't want to do it, I think if you start seeing come into July, this team knows they're not going to make it. They may actually have to shop him and see how much they can get back, even though it would just be a two month rental for some team. But you let some team that he really wants to go to figure they can do a side and uh, sign and trade uh, somehow for Otani and get him locked up past this season. Boy, what the Angels could get back in return for him is going to be insane. But, no, I, I think if this guy does not get to play postseason baseball this year in Anaheim, I think he's gone no matter what. I, I don't believe he'll come back if they don't make the postseason, unless they're really, like, eerily close and they happen to lose out, like, one or two games before the end of the regular season and he really legitimately sees himself being able to get to the postseason with this team. But they haven't done anything right now to show us that they are a legit postseason contender. Now, they made some more moves in this offseason, so the roster looks a little better than it has been over the last couple of years. So maybe they have a shot now. But, yeah, if you really think about it, Trout and Otani, as you said before, they've never really even sniffed the postseason. If he doesn't get to play in the postseason, he's not. He's not staying. This guy's built different. He wants to win. He wants to play meaningful baseball. That's why he got so amped up at that World Baseball Classic. That's the closest he's had a chance to play for championships since he's been over here to the state. So, yeah, I think he's going to say I'll make the playoffs. And it's all about Shohei. And one of my favorite players in baseball right now is Michael Trout. And I feel bad for him because it's like he can't go because he's getting good money. He's the price of admission out there, and he's about to lose his sidekick. And it ain't like these two. I don't know if they have any beef or not. I don't think they have any beef, but it's like he can't do anything to keep him there other than try to get the rest of the other seven players to play as well as these two are. And that's incredible because you watch talent like this on one team, and it's kind of like they're locked in because Anaheim threw everything at Trout. And now they're in a situation where both of these guys are mega – contract players. How do you do this? Do you lowball Otani? Knowing Otani's bringing people there from a different country, different continent, so on and so forth. So, oh, it's tough. Trout, I, I, if, if Otani goes, then let Trout go. Then let Trout go, too. If he goes, don't just keep Trout there waiting for another rebuild and watch this guy get old and you finally make the postseason and then he don't get to a World Series like no, get get rid of Trout, too, as much as I, I – and it's it making it sound like I'm saying Trout's bad to get rid of. I'm saying it like, no, don't watch him waste away there. That, that's the one thing that I don't like. Trout, I'm not going to lie, I'm a huge fan of you. And um, Trout, to watch this happen to the Angels. To this, this, this that's true. That, that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. If he could stay out of his own way, drink milk, eat spinach, I don't, I don't – 
I don't know what to tell him. I don't know what to tell him. But he's huge yeah. as a monster. Like, he's big as hell. Like, I don't know how. But even last year, in abbreviated time, he still hit 40 home runs, like in 110 games. So, like, I mean, he's still a monster. Uh, but at the end of the right. day, the Angels did lock up Trout long, long term. So Trout has to stay healthy. So then if for some reason you don't keep Otani and you decide you want to give up Trout too, he's got to do enough to show some team, like, yes, as much as you still have, in that tank, we are willing to take that contract on because he's already signed a long-term uh, contract with this Angels franchise. So, uh, but to me, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Like, that's that's why I, I really believe that if they're not going to make it, if they see in, in August they're not going to make it, they're going to have to entertain. They're going to have to entertain offers for Otani. They may not get one that that makes it worth it to them, but they're at least going to have to uh, to entertain them. But I definitely, I definitely see what you're saying. It, it, this is a team. The, the deal with the Angels is they've had to be real creative on how they could put together a squad because they had, do not have a very good minor league system right now. And so, to me, it, if you can't keep Otani and you don't see how it's going to get any better, then I think you're right. I think the answer is go ahead and see what you can do or get for Trout because he's really locked up long-term, and there are a lot of people that would give a lot for him. That's one thing Anaheim will do. I remember when they had Pujols, Wilson, all of these guys throwing them $200 million contracts all across the board. They could not take care of the rest of the board. They couldn't. They couldn't. They're dumping so much money. That's one thing Anaheim will do. They will give you money. They will give you money, but they won't fill up the rest of the roster. Hey, Anaheim, I'll make a deal with you. I'll give you Max Kepler, and I'll give you Jorge Polanco for old Tiny. We could do that. We, let's just just talk to me. Just talk to me. I talk to my people. Yeah, you get and the then I can, conversation for that offer. <laughs> then, then I can put, put Bust and the career together, then we could we could be off and running. Whichever one you want to let go of. You want to get rid of Trout, or if you want to get rid of Otani, I'd rather take Otani because I already got a ton of center fielders with Michael Taylor and Buster. So I don't, I don't, I mean, I would love to have Trout, but I, you know, somebody's going to be sent somewhere, and I don't want to lose either of them. So I know Trout is a staple out there in the Angels. Okay, so let me get away from this baseball stuff because this is getting very passionate for me, and I'm showing my passion right now. Okay, so the thicker things, and like I said, with the PHI apparel with Philadelphia on the line, well, the the Philadelphia 76ers took care of business up against the Brooklyn Nets, sweeping them, getting rid of them. But we do have an issue that Embiid is dealing with something right now. And Doc Rivers has come out with a statement saying that they have to watch this closely and see how Embiid improves in this time going forward. But the Sixers did what they needed to do to make short work of a Nets team that hasn't tried to survive with so much melee throughout this season, losing two big pieces of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and his season and so much media madness swirling around his team and from upstairs with management. And I really don't want to put too much in front of the ownership, but it, it is from top to bottom on how the team actually held together with the Suns making a move with Bridges and Cam Johnson, and, and they're making it work as best as they can. They just ran into a 60 team that is desperate to get this thing to the Eastern Conference Finals. They have to get there to save Doc Rivers' job. And uh, for them to pull off a sweep out the gate, 
this is big for the 76ers. Um, Mike, your thoughts on the Sixers taking care of business up against the Nets yesterday finishing the series off for nothing? Well, I, first of all, let me say with the Nets, like, they did a, a good job outperforming expectations even after this trade to get into the top six or they didn't have to play in the play-in. I think the nation got to see a little bit more of Mikel Bridges. We saw him in Phoenix, but he really stepped up as a scorer for the Nets in this series. This is just kind of baptism by fire for this Nets organization. I feel like the future's bright there. They got some young talent, and they can continue to build, and I think you will see them continue to build moving forward. So uh, I, this this team is just taking their lumps, man. That's what happens with young teams for the most part. You got to take those lumps in the postseason and get a, get a feel for what that's like so the next time you come back, you're not quite as overwhelmed. And then the Sixers, man, I hate to see this with Embiid injuries again cropping up. Uh, I feel like they they did exactly what they were supposed to do in the first round. They dispatched a lesser opponent. They get a few extra days off now to see if they can get Embiid back. Uh, I was impressed with Maxi and some other guys on this uh, Philly roster that stepped up and played uh, well for them. You know, they, they won this game four without Embiid even on the court for them. So, uh, you know, hopefully he can rest up. You're still waiting on at least two more games from this Brooklyn, I mean, from this Atlanta-Boston series. So you got some time to kind of sit, rest up, hopefully recuperate. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Sixers are going to have to have every single bullet in the chamber that they that they got um, going up against the Boston Celtics and also not having home court advantage in that series. So I hope Embiid can get right. I hope he can be ready for that series. Um, and as far as I 100% agree with you, I think this team has to make the Eastern Conference Finals uh, to save Doc. You know, I feel like that maybe they're trying to already kind of have an excuse that they don't get there. Uh, but this is it. You know, this is a matchup we've been talking about already. So looking forward to seeing when it comes to pass. But, you know, big ups to the Sixers. They're the only team with a sweep in the first round. They look like a seasoned, you know, savvy veteran team that just handled their business and, you know, survive in advance and move on to the next round. So uh, nothing to complain about for them. Uh, nice work by a supporting cast and, and even getting the job done without their big man in, in game four. Yeah, I was like, they got to play Brooklyn for two more games. I'm like, no, they finished with Brooklyn. No, no, this is being funny. And but, they got to wait. This, 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 no, I know, I know, I know where you at. I know where you at. I know, I know where you at. I know, I know. You got the wrong B, the wrong B, the wrong B, the wrong B, the wrong B. Um, interesting enough, just like you said, they got it done without them. But I feel like they had way more guns in Philadelphia than they had in Brooklyn right now. I feel like Brooklyn is waiting to put another piece or two together within the next coming seasons see if they can get this to go the right way because right now I felt like they were going to build around KD and Kyrie and everybody was upset there. And it's unfortunate, but they do have a a stud in Bridges. They got a stud in Johnson. They got some key pieces around them, but they're all young right now. So they have to take their lumps at this point in time and get on redemption road once they're ready to start going. And Jock Vaughn's going to have to man the ship unless they find another coach. So, Jock, you got your hands full, to say the least. Okay, so I'm starting trouble, Sports City. So, Watch out now. I'm going to start trouble. And I got this. I stole, I stole this topic. I just stole this topic. Um, are the Los Angeles Clippers bitten by karma? 
That's right. Are they bitten by karma? You mean to tell me that you guys were one of the preseason favorites to win the West or at least be in the Western Conference Finals and everybody's hurt at the wrong time, including the guys that you're throwing the big pennies to in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But this is where I start trouble. The guy that I like the most that don't get enough criticism in his career, and that is Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is hurt at the wrong time, in which it's a knee situation. This is going to continue to bother him, but it's crunch time, and this team needs him. He is the piece to try to help man this ship, and they are outgunned because the Suns have so much ammo against them. They are saying, and I quote, Kawhi Leonard is the worst superstar ever. And I'm like, wow, wow, that's a huge shot. But it made me think about it. Now, this guy was big enough to leave Coach Popovich, go to Toronto and make it happen, but Toronto just needed a face. They they had just lost DeMar DeRozan. They get Kawhi. Kawhi fills that role. He's been championship-level type contention, and he actually brought a championship to Toronto. Now that he got that championship and left instantly as soon as he won it and went back home to L.A. and got everything to come down, Paul, come to L.A. with me, leave Russ. We're going to get Ballmer and all of them to throw all of the picks to OKC, so on and so forth. That junk worked. And next thing you know, looking at this team, it's in total disarray. I can't even really blame Tyron Lue. I can't. Or management because they're trying to pull every string that they can to get all of these players there. They brought big personality after big personality there. They're locked and loaded to make a run from Plumlee to Morris Sr. to Russell Westbrook to man like they have names there, Bones Highland, and they just can't get it done. And I think it's more or less either karma, more or less the injury bug, but there's so many different swirling situations that now the Clippers are facing a 3-1 deficit. They have to win out to win the series. Not saying that it can't happen, but Kawhi has to get off of his seat immediately. And and I don't want to put him in a situation where I want to see him run out there hurting, but you're going to have to do some Isaiah Thomas stuff. If Isaiah Thomas could run around on a badly rolled ankle in the NBA Finals and let you know that I'm going to play regardless of race, lead or snow, you got to do that, Kawhi. They about to go home. Y'all about to beat – y'all. well, y'all got to go on the road to Phoenix because that's game four that took place. Y'all going to be in Arizona. Y'all ain't that far from L.A., though. Y'all may end up potentially losing game five, go home. It's going to be another offseason. One of y'all may get dealt. One of y'all may get dealt. And I really think it's going to be Paul George. As much as they talk junk about Kawhi, Paul George has been injured or the question mark for however long they've been there, and it has not worked. Kawhi's been hurt, and injury bug keeps biting him at the wrong time, especially in the postseason when he's playing it's tough to watch this team go through this where they have the potential to be the quote-unquote better team in L.A., and they just can't do it because right now the Lakers step right back in front of the spotlight. So I don't want to steal too much for the, for the Lakers because the Lakers sunshine is coming. But, Mike, your thoughts on this situation where now the Suns are sitting on top of this series at this point in time leading 3-1? Boy, boy, boy. Uh, you know – Watching with the Lakers and other teams, and we'll get back to them. But it, it's tough to see when you know that guys 
have a history of getting hurt because it just it always seems like it happens at the biggest moments on the biggest stages. And that was the one thing that kind of scared me as we were talking about a week ago. They looked real good early in the series. And I'm just like, can he stay on the court, though? And sure enough, he missed the next game, missed the next two. And, you know, listen, I want y'all, before you get ready to move into your new arena, arena, Clipper Nation, go ahead and be proud of how many times in a row you done beat the Lakers. Go ahead and be proud of that winning streak you got against them and about, in your words, being the best team in L.A. and all that because that's your Super Bowl. That's your NBA Finals. That's the closest you're going to come right now to seeing a championship uh, for this franchise. And something's going to have to change. Uh, You cannot be – you can't have a roster that is so reliant on two guys that are as great an injury risk as those two guys are. Because time after time, this is third or fourth straight postseason. Somebody that got hurt, somebody that got banged up, and now we got hopes for next year. And the, and the big question is, can these guys be healthy? Let's stop asking that question. The answer is no. And I don't know if it's a different organization. I don't know if it's a different environment. I don't know if it's different, um, you know, medical people or whatever. Or if it's just that they, you know, they broke down so much, it's, it's like that old car that you just can't take a long trip with it without it breaking down on you again. Uh, I, I don't know, but something has to change. If this organization wants to take a huge step forward, um, and this, you know, you're looking at a first-round exit here. So it's not like you taking a step forward from what you did a year ago. It, it's you stepping backwards. And so there's going to be a lot of uh, difficult conversations had amongst the organizational brass, if you will, to figure out what needs to happen moving forward. But I would lay a lot of money that says they're not coming out of this series and they're about to get rudely dismissed. I think it's going to happen in game five. And then you're going to have to put all the pieces back together in the offseason. you got all the time to rest. No matter how much time you got to rest, though, you're still going to come up unhealthy for part of next season. And I hate it for them because they're both tremendous talents that have overcome a lot. You mentioned Kawhi, what he was able to do in Toronto. Uh, we we know the whole Paul George story and what he went through, the injury on the Olympic team, the injury in Boston. Oh, uh, no, that was Hayward. The, that was Hayward. The injury that uh, he had, though, being able to bounce back, though, and come back. And, and at times when he's on the court, uh, you know, he's a dynamic, dynamic talent. But you're going to have to pair at least – one of these guys was somebody that you know is a more stabilizing presence and is going to be there. Wait, the injury in Boston, are you talking about the Olympic game when Paul got hurt or what happened? Yeah, no, no, no. Like I said, the injury, the Olympic injury. And then uh, I, I thought about Boston, but then I, that was another injury. Another guy. I, I got it. I got it crossed in my head. That's why I walked that back. I didn't mean the Boston. Uh, okay. I mean the Boston thing. Okay, I was just like trying to figure out where that was. Okay, so no, I, I had, get it. I, I was thinking about him, and then I thought about the Hayward injury in Boston. I, I don't know why. I just uh, like in my head almost uh, put that injury on Paul George, and that was Gordon Hayward. So uh, once I realized that I was mistaken, then I had to just walk that back real fast. Same same type of ankle injury. So I, I get it. I definitely understand where you're coming from. I get it. Uh, the reason why I was picking on the karma situation is looking at all three of these 
brothers, okay? First, let's start with Kawhi. You won a championship with a ready-made team and wanted to leave. Why? Why did you leave Toronto? They all were there, all the pieces. You lucky you got Norm Powell back. You lucky you got him back. You had Siakam, Van Fleet, Powell yourself. Serge Ibaka, Gasol, everybody was there. That was that. You guys should have been running. That thing broke up so bad that this week Nick Nurse lost his job. Nick Nurse is no longer the coach of Toronto. And you could be a big piece of that. Why? Because I feel like they were trying to make this happen around you. You guys probably could have been championship, you know, relevant for at least the next two to three seasons. At least. You guys were sitting on top. Who doesn't run that back? You leave Italy to go back to L.A. I feel like that's a questionable storm, especially with you call, calling out pop. Leaving the, the Raptors, Kawhi, you have bad karma right now because that's two situations where you left. It looked bad on your end when you left San Antonio. Then you leave Toronto. It definitely looked bad because who made you feel uncomfortable? They were going to end up throwing you an entire country, an entire country. You go to the Clippers, the team that has probably the worst uh, history in the NBA, and you can't make it happen because you're hurt. You're hurt. Paul George's situation, for him to go from Indiana – to OKC, signing a super max with the Thunder. The next season, he talks to Kawhi, does some, I feel like that's collusion to me, uh, has a dirty conversation with him, basically saying, yo, leave Russ and come to L.A. and let's go back home and set it off, and you leave Russ, but to match your contract with the move that they have to make, they gave up, I think, seven to nine picks to cripple that organization for the next Within the decade, within a 10-year span of how they gave up all of the picks that match your contract and gave up Gallinari and Shea Gilgis-Alexander in the process, the Thunder killed in that trade because you haven't shown up yet. And then the Russell Westbrook to ice the cake, he was the one that tried to keep Paul George in OKC. Then once Paul George leaves, he says he wants to leave. He never wanted to play in OKC, and has been on team to team to team to team. He's been on five teams since leaving Oklahoma City, five. And now he's in L.A., where he's from, the other locker room where he's from, because he was in the other locker room across the hallway and trying to make it happen on the Clippers, where they were looking like the better team in Los Angeles, and it don't look like it. And it feel like it's the Russell Westbrook, like, karma. <laughs> you know, like, this is this is the wild part about that vicious word karma. You got to watch what you do to people, man. You got to watch it, because now – Russell Westbrook has what he wants. No Paul George on the floor. No Kawhi Leonard on the floor. He plays like he's the best player on the floor, and he's looking incredible. They lose. <laughs> this this is the karma that you want, Russ. This is what you want, and this is going to continue to follow you until you get it, that you is it, it, bigger than you, and he will never get it. Nobody can tell him anything, and I, it's unfortunate now. Before, I used to feel bad, but now it's like this is what you asked for. This is what you get. So the Clippers are now facing a 3-1 deficit. I don't know if they get out of Arizona. They may. If they do, if they get out of Arizona, they, they have to force a game seven, which I feel like it can happen. But if it gets to game seven, the Suns, if they blow this and around KD from him getting swept at one point in his career, from him blowing a 3-1 lead before, and this would be another one that he's up 3-1 and loses this, there will be a lot of question marks in front of Kevin Durant. And also, how much sand is in the hourglass for Christopher Paul? That is is the one thing that I am watching because they do attack Chris Paul because Chris Paul has those instances where he just can't defend too many people out there. But nevertheless, Devin Booker has been a consistent cog for these guys alongside Kevin Durant, and they don't have an answer 
defensively without Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. One of these two are going to have to bounce back ASAP, and uh, their next game is tomorrow. So um, they, they're the only series in the entire NBA playoffs that they don't have a two-day break at all, at all. They all are playing, you know, one day on, one day off, and it's the Suns-Clippers series. So, Mike, is there anything else that you'd like to say as we get away from this series? Oh, man, that's got everything we, I, I had on this one. Okay, and uh, the next series is the one thing that I am worried about. The Milwaukee Bucks are facing a 2-1 deficit up against the Miami Heat. Can the Heat steal this series? Can they be the AC that can do it? I feel like they can, depending on the health of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I thought the Bucks had enough guns, enough bullets to take care of the Heat. The Heat and that home court advantage are working. When these teams come to Miami and play them down there, I think they just get so relaxed like they, they've already won already. And for them, the Bucks to lose by 22 in Miami, incredible. Jimmy Butler, I tip my hat for you to do this, especially while Tyler Harrell is out. I really thought that you guys would get taken care of as soon as Harrell went down. These guys are fighting tooth and nail. Even Oladipo went down with a bad uh, knee injury, creamed the Bucks. Giannis is going to have to come back and help these guys. Um, as much as they do look good as a, a great team, like an all-out team effort, Brooke, uh, Brooke Lopez went out uh, by ejection. Giannis is out. They're putting a lot of the heavy lifting on Drew Holiday. The rest of the guys have to carry this as best as they can. I don't know if they make it out of Miami 2-2. They may be down 3-1, and the Bucks are going to have to run this table especially with Giannis probably having to sit out game four, depending on how bad this tailbone injury is. Mike, your thoughts on the Bucks heat series as the Bucks are facing a 2-1 deficit? Well, I got to see game four, right? Because if you think about it, Miami came in, Butler played a really fantastic game in game one, and Milwaukee hit him in the mouth. I mean, Miami hit him in the mouth in Milwaukee in game one. Jumped up 1-0 in that series. Milwaukee, without Giannis, came back and punched back and landed some some, some tank-like shots, uh, punching back in game two um, and won big. So now you went down to Miami. Uh, you know, your role players and your depth guys usually tend to play better at home than they do on the road. So now you went on the road, you took their best shot, you just got dog walked. Uh, so if Giannis is not back by game four, I want to see how these guys respond. They have weapons, they have players, but can they can they come close to matching that same energy and effort that they do on their home floor? Um, this is a this has turned into a must win for Milwaukee in game four, with or without Giannis. Um, and like you said, if, if they don't get out of Miami with a win and it's 3-1 and they gotta, they got to try to run the table to win this series, they will have to have Giannis back. Um, I, I've been impressed with Milwaukee all year. I've been impressed with the way they were able to kind of hold the four down whenever Giannis did miss some time during this season and still, you know, come out of the East as the number one seed. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt at least one more game and see uh, how they respond to getting punched in game three. Uh, I, I think they have the talent to do it, and I think they have the talent to even still take care of Miami. Uh, 
even if they don't get Giannis back, but it's not as much of a foregone conclusion than, uh, as I thought it was, and, and I'll say we <laughs> even thought it was just a few days ago. But game four is going to tell you all you need to know. And Milwaukee's going to have to get up on them early in that game because you let Miami get out early and get that get that the energy of those fans behind them and everything else. And then, you know, once again, role players and other players from Milwaukee kind of, you know, you get stuck in that, oh, here we go again type mentality. So uh, I, I think even the first few minutes of game four is going to tell us a lot. We will see. Uh, I want to see the health of Giannis going into this game four. If he does rest, if it's really this bad, I would rest him. As much as this is walking a thin line, I would rest him to try to get the best that you can out of Giannis. But I don't want to face a three-one deficit because Miami's going to be fighting tooth and nail to set history to get the Bucks out of the way. They will be trying to do everything to get them out of the way. But um, this is dangerous ground at this point in time, especially being in South Beach. Where they're chilling. They probably down there on the, the strip right now looking at water and calming down when they got to keep their minds focused on trying to get to the Eastern Conference Finals because that's where I feel like the Bucks should be landing, and they don't look like it at this point in time. Rounding out the NBA for the day, saving the best for last for my co-host, the Los Angeles Lakers takes care of business up against the Memphis Grizzlies in which, in this game, right, so – the Memphis Grizzlies lose this game 111-101. In which John Morant comes back, and this is the funny part about this, 45 points, 9 rebounds, and 13 assists. You mean to tell me that that injury hurt him from the other day? That it was that bad? It looked bad, right? But he comes back and almost scores 50 in a triple-double? He should have been able to give it a go. That that last game that they lost, uh with him out, that that's big. And Jaws, you know, you know, absence has been hurting them for the past two seasons when they lost to the uh, the Warriors last year. Now the Lakers situation, they need him as much as possible in Los Angeles right now. Anthony Davis goes crazy, has a 31-point night, 17 rebounds, three blocks, the first Laker ever to do that. Not even Kareem had that type of uh, stat line. Um and the one thing that I'm proud about for LeBron is him not taking a bait going after Dylan Brooks, but he gave him a solid 25. He wants – Dylan Brooks wants 40. Like, who wants to be scored on and, and give somebody 40 points? You don't respect him. If he can still average 22 points, that's a – I don't want to see him score 11 buckets in front of me. Like, that's – hell no. So, Dylan Brooks, I don't know what type of fire you created because the rest of that team is following LeBron. You call him old. Now the young guns are coming to help LeBron. And what could you do? What could Jalen Jackson do? The Lakers are going to take this series clean. This might be five games that, that tops this. I, I think this is a gentleman's sweep. I, I don't think the uh, the Grizzlies have the moxie to steal game four. They don't have enough guns, uh, at least a big man in the paint, to slow down anything that's coming down to whether it's LeBron or AD. It's unfortunate because this is the back-to-back season that the Grizzlies look good out the gate all regular season, having a great record, get to the postseason, and they just collapse. And the leader is injured again. But it's unfortunate that, you know, injury is clipping uh, John Moran at this point in time. But nevertheless, Darvin Ham is in a, a good situation, could end up leaving California up 3-1, going to Memphis, and I don't think the Grizzlies can do anything about it. They're in front of a buzzsaw, and it's unfortunate. Unless they can get somebody else to step up, 
a lot of people want to see this season look good around LeBron's record-breaking season. It is not all about LeBron either. You have to stop D'Angelo Russell. You have to stop Reeves. And, of course, they have no answer for Anthony Davis at this point in time. Uh, Mike, your boys are going on this redemption row, fighting out of the lower seed in the West, and, and looking just fine. Yeah, I'm impressed with game three. They got what they needed to do. However, your work is not done, Los Angeles. And I say that, uh, you know, I said before, for this team to reach its peak, it's got to go through Anthony Davis. He had a fantastic game in game three, came out and dominated. He did not show up in game two. He was hanging out with Waldo somewhere. Where's AD? Uh, But in game three, uh, he showed up to play, and all the other pieces around him came to play as well. And they took care of business. This is a different two-game set. You went into Memphis, and you really just had to get one. And honestly, without Ja, should have uh, came with a lot better energy at the beginning of game two. They were almost too relaxed coming out in game two. Floppy on the defensive side and got behind the A-ball and couldn't come back and do anything about it. So, uh, to your point, Lakers got to play well. They got to come out with the same type of energy in game four. And they got to go ahead and put that foot on Memphis's neck and go up 3-1 and force that hand. Uh, they have been known at times to drop the ball on games at home um, against lesser opponents and then try to go back out and, uh, you know, vindicate that on the road. It happened at the end of the regular season where they lost to Chicago and then they went into Chicago and beat them uh, next game out. But this team has to keep that same energy. Uh, listen, bubble wrap Anthony Davis. Uh, let him breathe, breathe some uh, purified air, whatever you got to do. Give him special water, hyperbaric chambers when he's not in the bubble. I don't know. You got to keep him on the court. He's got to be out there for this team. Uh, but they showed me what I needed to see in game three, but you got to bring that again in game four. If Memphis can if Memphis can steal a game and come back even, uh, this could be trouble for the Lakers. So, uh, Memphis behind the eight ball. This is a must-win game for them. Uh, but I, I need to see that same energy and effort from the Lakers when they come out in game four that I saw in game three. As much as I don't like to say this to you because of the person that I'm going to use to use as an you know, analogy in the words of Aaron Rodgers, relax, Mike. Relax. This series is over. It's done. There's nothing the Grizzlies can do. Sorry, sorry. I don't see it. Even if they do tie this up 2-2 and go back to Memphis, I feel like the Lakers are going to go right to Tennessee and beat the crap out of them in the grindhouse. There's nothing they can do. It's too much in the paint. LeBron is going to go in there and ruin everything in Memphis, especially with Dylan Brooks calling them out like that. I think LeBron saved face by watching Anthony Davis go crazy. Like, yep, it's perfect because y'all going to go into practice worrying about how to stop AD, and I'm still around. Like, there's nothing they can do. Even if Josh sits up here and puts up 50, 50 for a triple-double, it still ain't enough. Even if he had 50 in this game, he had 45. Another five points, he still would have lost by what? Five. Like, there's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do. They need Steven Adams. Steven Adams got injured at the wrong time, even though I don't feel like he's the guy that uh, can stop AD. He's a center. Like, I I don't know what they could have done. So, you're okay. I get it. You walk the cautious line just like I do. I do the same thing, too, just like it's not over, you know, trying to – but I I don't see the Grizzlies having that shock value to steal one in L.A. I don't. I don't. There's something about them in the state of California. You've seen them last year against the Warriors, and the Warriors pummeled them every time they came to California. I, I do not see the Grizzlies getting out of Cali alive. Okay, so 
four quick questions, and we're getting out of here, Mike. I'm doing as quick as possible. Hopefully you are ready. The first question, the Cleveland Cavaliers go to New York City up against the Knicks for game four. How does this pan out, Cavaliers or Knicks? Knicks, uh, Cavs got to have this one, man. Like, uh, Knicks really flex their muscle in game three. I'm going to say the Cavs bounce back and even this thing up. But this is a series I, I don't really have a handle on yet. I ain't going to lie to you. Uh-oh. Indecisive. Me too. Um, I'm going to say the same thing. I think Cleveland <laughs> has to win this. But um, I think the way that the Garden was electric, the Knicks should pull this out. But Cleveland has to have this game. The second question. The Sacramento Kings are going back to San Francisco up against the Golden State Warriors. 2-1 deficit. Steph Curry and company faces. Can the Kings get out of here 3-1? I think they can. I think that, once again, season basketball is different. And I think this young team saw that uh, going in there in game three uh, because the script completely got flipped on them uh, when they went into Golden State. But I think now they they gotten punched. They can regroup and, and punch back. Uh, I I think Sacramento can get this done. Question number three: Can the Boston Celtics shut down the state of Georgia for basketball for this season? When does it go back to the Garden in Massachusetts up three one? Yes. Oh, I believe so too. And oh, in the series before that. I'm going Golden State. This is 2-2. I don't think Sacramento can do it. Um, but in this one, I agree with you. I think Boston gets rid of Atlanta. I think Atlanta's facing a buzzsaw in front of Boston. And JT and JB got to step up. They got to do the best that they can. Last but not least, one-word question. Broom. Mm, I, I'm going to say yes. I, I just don't – I don't feel like the – T-Wolves have been – their complimentary pieces have been doing enough. They're getting a lot from their big three, but not from anybody else. Uh, I think Denver gets this done and gets on to the next round. I agree so, too. They don't have enough manpower in Minnesota. As much as I would have loved to see the Thunder get there, because I feel like we match up evenly against Denver, just how we would figure out how to stop Jokic. The funny part about that is, is, like, a lot of people came up with the recipe. It was like, let Jokic go crazy, stop everybody else. And that is something that the Wolves are not doing. They can't stop Jokic or anybody else. And it looks bad because you got Rudy Gobert there, defensive player of the year so many different times. Cat is healthy. And you had Anthony Edwards go crazy for a 40-point game, and it's still not working. These guys are in trouble. I don't think they have enough to get it done. They need more people. The Wicked Witch of the West and her broom are out today, late night, in Minnesota. They are getting swept. Okay. So, Mike, we are at the tail end of the show. I need a plug, close out, anything that you'd like to promote as we shut the doors here at the Sunday Morning Brunch. Man, first of all, I always like to promote the headman, the big boss, T.P. Thomas, man. Without him, I wouldn't be here, bro. Wouldn't be part of this uh, Sports City Chefs family. And it's always a pleasure and a privilege, man. I appreciate you bringing me on board a while back. And, uh, man, always uh, always fun. Chop it up with you on the mothership on the time of Sunday morning brunch on Sunday morning. So keep checking us out. You can listen to us on your smart speakers and uh, online as well. 
as you know, this is NFL Draft Week, so Monday, Tuesday night, uh, 9 o'clock Eastern, uh, some of the chefs are going to be doing a mock first round to get you ready for the draft on Thursday night. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. We're going to start Monday and go as long as we can, and then I think Tuesday uh, pick it up until it's finished. And Controversy likes to put this together every year. So uh, that's happening Monday and Tuesday night. The Colors Cookout on Wednesday night. Roundtable Gumbo with Chandler and myself on Thursday. SportsCityChefs.com. Check out the blog, website, articles, everything we got going on. PHIapparel.co. You chefs to check out for that uh, discount. As always, say down south in Louisiana, man. Laissez les bons temps roulés. Peace, TP. Much love. Yeah, I am going to be there Monday and Tuesday because I am so frustrated with this happening. It's freaking Friday. I don't know what to do with myself, Jameson Williams. How? How? Um, now, but it kind of sets us up because <laughs> now we can really go get B. John Robinson, the running back we need. So if him, if they can get him with Montgomery and tell Swift, hey, Swift, you better do something this year, or we got your replacement right here, fresh out of Texas. This could be a very interesting season if they can make this all work and be patient enough to wait for Jamison to get back. But some odd reason Jamison is making this bigger than him. So this week means so much to me. I can't wait to see how this draft pans out for the Lions. This is the first time I've seen a GM do his job with free agency and bringing pieces to Detroit and is being messed up by somebody gambling. Like how? Like like we're doing everything that we need to do finally, and some something is clips us up. It's always something. So hopefully this is an electric week for Detroit, and, and can't let one monkey stop the show. That's always been the slogan, man. Sports City, y'all take care of yourselves. Y'all being safe as much as possible. Basketball is electric. NHL is going crazy. My Rangers are doing the best that they can. They gave up a game last night up against the Devils, but it's okay. Hopefully they can protect the garden as best as they can to push us back to 3-1 to go back across the bridge up against those devils in Jersey. But we're doing just fine. Blue shirts underground, and that is for sure. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs. Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room Cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom So tell a friend, it's the Sports City Chefs again Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again Uh-huh.